It's a bit of a phenomenon, this Golden Bachelor. And to put it, put it into a bit of perspective, uh, we've got somebody who knows quite a bit about this thing. It's Deborah Carr, a professor of sociology, and a whole bunch of other things, has had a book, Aging in America, has dealt into older adults, romantic relationships, and I saw your article, the opinion article, The Golden Bachelor, has a lot to teach us, and I thought it was a very intriguing, informative article that you put together there, and I'm very glad that you could join us tonight. Very glad you could join us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, My dad was a sociologist at the University of Michigan, and as I was reading your article, I'm wondering, I wonder what he would have to say about this. Um, One of the things that you point out in the article is amongst many valid points is that older adults are the ones who are watching television. Can you expound on that a little bit? That's right. There's recently been uh, a new study that demonstrates that network television, Mm meaning those programs that we turn on ABC or NBC, they're followed primarily by baby boomers. Um, Younger generations, you know, the millennials and the Gen Zs tend to watch streaming or TV on demand, and they're less tied to the regular programming that we expect at 8 or 9 o'clock. And so even though there are a lot of reasons to cheer on The Bachelor because we want older adults to find love, I suspect that from the network's perspective, catering to an older demographic is something that's potentially profitable. Well, I don't think they would have ventured forth with that unless they thought they were going to get their money back. And it goes against uh, years and years of years of programming to people who are between the ages of 25 and 54. Uh, That was the sweet spot that every radio station and television show and That's the ones they were looking for, and this obviously is a departure from that. And I think you make a good point there about uh, baby boomers being the ones who are still watching the TV. Although, I pointed out earlier that even if it is on a network, uh, originally it will be on a streaming service probably within the next day or two. So I guess you can have it both ways. You're a fan of this show, as I take it. Is that right? I'm a critical fan. I enjoy watching it, you know, and sometimes it's like watching a car crash and sometimes (laughs) quite enjoyable. And, you know, I think it's very intriguing, right? We're all just fascinated by this notion of finding the love of your life, however possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like many sociologists, I've watched it with a critical eye that it has been historically white contestants, slender contestants, heterosexual, cisgender um, able-bodied and young, and that's a very narrow sliver of humanity. And I think the fact that they are branching out now with respect to racial and ethnic diversity, and now with the Golden Bachelor age diversity, I think it is just hopefully reaching a larger audience and conveying that all people are worthy of love regardless of their age. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to go to the end and then work back. Um, because I think you make some really valid points here about how the conclusion of all of this may differ drastically. Well, maybe not drastically is too strong a word, but may have a different ending than what was expected in The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. As far as I understand, those shows looked forward to a marriage proposal at the end. That was how they were going to conclude. But according to your thinking in this article, you noticed that none about, nobody in that first episode uh, mentioned the word marriage. That's right. And 
to the younger bachelors, as you know, it ends like a grand finale. Mm-hmm. It's usually not only extending the final rose, but the, groom, the, the male getting down on one knee right. with this very fancy meal yeah. ring, diamond ring that he has chosen in proposing. And they talk a lot about marriage even leading up to that point. And among the older contestants, the word marriage wasn't uttered. They would use phrases like happily ever after, finding a great love, finding someone to grow older with, but they didn't talk about marriage. And that's not limited just to the Golden Bachelor. Um, The statistical data show that older adults may form loving long-term partnerships, but they're not necessarily marrying. Mm -hmm. They are cohabiting. They are doing something called living apart together, which is essentially going steady. Um, and you each keep your own home. And so for older adults, they're not going to be bearing children, so they don't feel that pressure, right, to have a marriage in which they give birth. Um, but also they have really complex financial issues that they might not want to complicate through a remarriage. Absolutely. I mean, these people have lived decades. I don't know how many have children or grandchildren and their finances and their financial situation. I'm sure part of that, if they're able to, or they're planning to pass that on to their offspring if, when that time comes and sort of mucking up that water by an actual marriage at this point might just be something that they want to stay away with, stay away from. And I like your, um, your, uh, Living apart, um, keeping the independence, sort of like going steady, and that nobody mentioned marriage. And I bet at the end, that's not going to be. Well, I don't know if it's going to not be, not going to be a consideration, but I don't think you're going to hear that worry that word bandied about as much as we're accustomed to on shows of this kind, which in the past have, as you pointed out, have always headed towards. Whoa, is he going to? Give her the ring. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, you make a lot of great points in this article about what we can learn from the Golden Bachelor. And I want to get to all of them. Um, would it be okay with you if I just sort of, I mean, I have the article here. If I just sort of gave you the the uh, the points you make in the, article and then you comment on them would that be all right that is perfect i'm happy to okay good because that makes it really easy for me (laughs) okay Uh, (laughs) um you point out uh that having something in common matters uh that might not just that might be something that applies to a lot of demographics but how do you how do you mean it in this sense uh with 22 contestants ranging from the age of 60 to 75. Sure. And for people of any age, having things in common really is important. You want to have shared interests and shared values. But I think for this show in particular, I was actually quite impressed that the women contestants are all older women. Mm -hmm. You know, before the show aired, I was just dreading the notion that it was going to be a 72-year-old man, and the older women the producers chose were 40. Yeah. Um, You know, kind of (laughs) reiterating that trope of, you know, the man is older with more power. And in this case, you know, the youngest one is 60. The oldest one is a little bit older than him. But every single one of them is over 60. And 
that's important for a lot of reasons. Um, one is that when you are of the same age or the same generation, you have the same kind of cultural vantage points. You like the same music. Oftentimes you have the same values, the same historical perspective. And that's something that really can help a relationship. But likewise, when you are older, you have shared collective experiences. You have past marriages. Most of them have been widowed or divorced. You know what it's like to lose a spouse. You know what it's like to raise children, to have grandchildren, and to deal with hearing loss and arthritis and health problems. And so this is a case whereby being of the similar age means they tend to have more comparable power. It means they have shared interests. And they have just a greater empathy and understanding of what the other one is going through, especially as age-related health problems might occur. We're just scratching the surface with sociologist Deborah Carr, who's uh, wrote an opinion piece for CNN. The Golden Bachelor has a lot to teach us, and we'll learn some more when we come back on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, John Landecker. That, of course, uh, the conclusion of the first episode of The Golden Bachelor. And uh, we're having a conversation with uh, Deborah Carr, who is a sociologist and has studied aging in America and studied older adults' romantic, uh, older adult romantic relationships and uh, has an opinion piece, The Golden Bachelor. It has a lot to teach us. And I, I just like to move along. You mentioned uh, right before we went to the break, break that um, you did somehow in the conversation health concerns came up, not as a major point, but it was sort of a, just part of a, something else that you were describing. And in your opinion and in this uh, article, I think that many of us might think that disclosing health problems would be mm, not a way to go in trying to establish a relationship. But you say no, it actually is something that can be positive. That's right. And I think, of course, it depends on when and how you do it. And yeah. so as I note in the article, on a first date, no one wants to talk about <laughs> GI problems and diarrhea, right? That's just not going to happen. No, it's not. <laughs> but after the first date or so, and especially in the case of the bachelor, when he, he has a hearing aid, something like that that's visible, I think fairly quickly it, as the relationship progresses, for older partners, health has to be part of it because it does affect things like sexuality in the relationship, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. a lot of older men, you know, more than half of, of men of a certain age have um, prostate health issues, for instance. Women might have um, health problems that affect their, their sexual functioning. And again, those kind of things don't need to be dis- discussed in a graphic fashion right. on an early date, but just letting one another know you know, it hurts when I go running, for instance, right, right? right? Or little things like, oh, don't play the music so loud, or that irritates my ears. I think some of those small things will come up. And in some cases, if both partners have the same problem or they have friends with that health concern, they can be more empathetic and they can be a greater source of support. And they'll be understanding because we know that there are some health problems that do affect what you do and how you do it. And that could extend to things like recreation or hiking or other things that the couples may want to do together. Well, you know, there still is a rose ceremony. And some of these women will stay and some of them will go. That's still a part of the format. Now, I'm not saying that that's heartbreak, but it might hurt. And according to you, 
women, older women can take heartbreak uh, in stride. How is that? Sure. And, and that's not to say that they don't feel hurt. Right. Some of them oh, no. will feel rejection. Right. Some of them will feel sad. And I think most importantly, sometimes it might not necessarily be the loss of the bachelor, but the loss of hope, right? Yes. Sometimes for older women, there aren't that many older men available, and so they might lose hope. But kind of the good news is research shows that with age, our emotional reactivity diminishes. And so that's just basically a fancy word for how extreme our emotional reactions are to things on both the happy side and the sad side. So everybody knows when they're 15 or 16, when they have that first heartbreak, the drama, the emotions are over the top. Um, maybe it diminishes a little bit when one has their heart broken at 35 or 40. Yeah. But by the time someone is 65 or 70, they will be sad, but they also know they will get through this. Um, the emotional extremes reduce in part because they've done it all and seen it all. These women have buried their husbands. They've run companies. They have raised children. And so they know deep down, even if they're sad, they will bounce back. And that helps to kind of tamp down those emotional extremes that we often see on the younger show, you know, the crying yes. sad, oh, yeah. sobbing on the balcony of the hotel. Um, and so the older women... You know, it's not that they're not going to cry, but the extremes and the capacity to move on, I think, will be very different. You mentioned families, and uh, of course, most of these individuals on the Golden Bachelor have families of some kind. Uh, they've been around for a while, and the this relationship would obviously be a new one. And you point out that it can be a family affair. Could you explain that? Sure. Um, on the Bachelor. Almost to a one, every woman, and, and Jerry, the bachelor, talked about, Gary, excuse me, talked about their children and grandchildren. Right. And in very good ways, right? They teach you how to date. They teach you how to use your iPhone. Um, but <laughs> when, any, when they repartner, right, when Gary chooses his yeah. new lady friend or any older couple comes together, they're bringing their children and grandchildren with them. And they certainly don't need to ask permission, right, for um, for their children. But a lot of decisions that we have to make as we age, things like inheritance, things like Mm -hmm. who is your durable power of attorney, right? right. Who is the person who makes medical decisions for you if you are incapacitated and cannot make them for yourself? Um, It tends to be family members, but... There might be some tension, right? It might be a daughter who's very close with her mother, and then who is this man sweeping in at the 11th hour who will be getting the inheritance or making the decision or whisking her away to Illinois when she'd rather be living in California. (laughs) And so um, these are just decisions that, you know, people really need to consider. And um, it just means that, you know, when you're young, they say you don't just marry your partner, you marry their family. But for older couples, they just have much bigger families, right. and their financial and health decisions are just inextricably linked to these other family members. Uh, we've been talking to Deborah Carr, and I'm afraid that we're out of time, but uh, I'd love to be able to talk to you later in the season, so to speak, as this Golden Bachelor continues on week to week to week, and you have these uh, ladies living together, I'm guessing, in one house is the normal uh, format and what that has to do with it and how they relate to it and just in general what you think is happening as it goes along. I hope we can do that again. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. I'm happy and I hope to join you again. Thank you.